Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Peace, peace. You know what it is. Shamir S-K-Y-Z-O-O Skazu live out the borough. And this is the NBA Exchange with my man Dexter Henry. You know how you doing it, man. Log on, tap in. Let's get into it. What's good, everybody? Happy Wednesday. Hopefully you are having a great one. Uh, It's been a while since we've seen you guys. Haven't talked to everybody since last Wednesday. Things have been really busy as we've been awaiting the start of the NBA Finals. We ended the Eastern Conference Finals, and boy, that was fun. Seven games, unless you're, you know, a Miami Heat fan where you think you've been wronged and the media didn't want you in the Finals and all those kinds of things. Like, maybe that's the situation for you. But the Finals are set. It is the Boston Celtics taking on the Golden State Warriors. And I'm pretty excited about this matchup. Pretty excited about it. We are a day away. It kicks off tomorrow. Game one will be Thursday uh, night. So we are really excited about that. But it's Wednesday, guys. So you know what time it is. We're going to preview these NBA Finals. But we're going to do it with something that some of y'all don't understand out there. A little bit of nuance. Yes, let me just give you some ground rules for the show in case you forgot. There ain't going to be no yelling. There ain't going to be no crazy hot takes. We're not just going to say something ridiculous because of the sake. We're not going to talk about whether we think if Steph Curry wins, will he be a top five player all time, point guard all time? We ain't getting into that, man. Just letting y'all know, we're not getting into that. And you know whose mantra that is? You know who's about that with me? It's my man. Gerard Hector, y'all see him on True Hoop. You also see him on the Seven Footers podcast. He joins me now. Gerard, I'm going to let you get a free pass one time. If you got some hot takes, <laughs> yo, let, let him off right now. Let you, him off. Let us you, know what's you, up. You, you know we got no hot take clips in the chamber. We don't, we don't do that here. This is not this kind of show, man. We're here to give you guys some nuance. Get no legacy talk. What does this mean for Steph? Oh, if the Warriors win, what does this mean for KD? Like, none of that. We don't talk about that here because that's not how basketball works. But that's how I know a lot of y'all like to consume your basketball. You want to go do that? You know how to find it. Go find them shows and then people like argue with and get mad with on Twitter. That's not what we're going to do here. Yeah, I'm about overexhausted of the pre-talk. Like, I have to stay away. Like, I have to stay away from it. There's certain podcasts I've really enjoyed you guys and your pre-finals talk. And Mm -hmm. I've been on a couple of shows this week Mm -hmm. to talk about previewing the finals. And I appreciate those platforms for having me and i'm sure you're the same for you uh gerard you did it yesterday on seven footers and you guys mm-hmm. been doing it on true hoop with nuance mm-hmm. and those things but all this talk about legacy and stuff before we even start playing the games people please we, like, not, we, not we don't that. have to do this yeah we don't just, but this is why we're here that's why See, we're here we don't have to do this how you doing gerard you good i'm doing well man Join the summer man not quite technically it's not summer yet yes not technically. Hasn't ha- technically it hasn't happened yet but the weather's been changing it's been warm we've been you know outside enjoying ourselves you know getting ready it's feeling very beachy out there doctor i feel like every time yeah. this time of year comes i'm always like why don't I have a boat and or a beach house? These are the questions I ask myself. Man, this, <laughs> man yesterday, yesterday, which was like 97 yeah. degrees in New York, was the kind of day where it was like, 
man, if I was at my former job, they would have been sending me, go out to the beach and see if people are there already, which is stupid, <laughs> but that's a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> but yes, it does feel like that time. It also feels like the time where it got so muggy where it's like, damn, I need to stay indoors. Like last night I went for a bike ride Ooh. at 7.45 p.m. is when I started this. It was still pretty muggy nice, then. had a nice light ride. I was light for me. It was, did about eight and a half miles. Okay. Came okay. back. Okay. Man, I look terrible. <laughs> Man, I look terrible. I'm sweat. It was yeah, awful. you know me. I'm a runner. I did my morning run. Uh, I think I was out the door at 7 a.m. Because I was like, uh-uh. Ain't nobody doing no running in this heat. I don't play that game. <laughs> no. You know, I, I really, and I tried to get it. And it was, listen, it was nice. I went through the park, had a lot of trees, and I still was dripping. So be safe out there. That's what we want. Yep. When it gets hot, be safe. If you're doing any athletic activity, hydrate, be safe. Okay. NBA Finals with nuance. Gerard, let's kick it off with this. I really like this matchup. Okay. I really like this matchup. This is the matchup I wanted once we had the Final Four. I thought it was the best matchup. Sorry, Miami Heat fans. Didn't want to see your struggling offense up in the finals, right? Like, y'all got to get that better. Didn't want to see it. But this, this matchup I'm really excited for because there's so many possibilities and so many, I think, good things of nuance to talk about with the offense, defensive side, X-Factors, all that other stuff. What's your excitement level on a scale of 1 to 10 for this matchup to get started? It's high. I mean, I'd say I'm probably in an 8 range. The only reason why I'm not fully at 9 or 10 is just because you know, the Celtics enter this series at such a disadvantage to start. And it's a disadvantage by their own doing, right? I.e. not winning in game six when they had the opportunity to give themselves a full week of rest and some time to practice and get get some guys' bodies right. As it stands now, they won game seven in Miami on Sunday night, landed in Boston early in the wee hours of Monday morning, around 4 a.m., somewhere around that. Yesterday, they flew to the Bay Area, right? Um, it just, and again, people are like, they fly luxury, they fly commercial, it doesn't matter. It's like, I just don't understand people that have that mindset, Dexter. Like, if you've ever flown at all in your life, you, you're tired when you get off of a flight, okay? The last thing you want to go do now is worry about, I got to play NBA basketball now, right? I mean, and now you're in a different time zone, you're not sleeping in your bed, like all the different things that just travel makes you exhausted. Not to mention, I just played too grueling physical seven game back-to-back series so seven days off would have been very much more would have been better for them but it is what it is um but either way it's still gonna be a great series i'm excited yeah now i'm excited and yes people come on flying across country that's that's another thing flying three thousand, a little bit over that mm-hmm. miles uh across country doing that after everything that gerard mentioned that match we'll get to the rest in, in a second my excitement level i'd probably say is yeah it's about an eight or nine. I think I'm just happy that we got the matchup mm-hmm. that I think is very intriguing from a basketball standpoint. I think now it's that, okay, let's see how that translates to the games. Because we've had matchups before, if you've watched sports for a long time, that you would salivate over and then comes the games and you're like, oh, this is not what I thought mm-hmm. it was going mm-hmm. to be. So we will see. This is why we play the games. But I think when you're looking at this, Gerard, and the two teams, it's hard to not look at the storyline and big narrative of what the Celtics have done this season. I was talking about this on a couple shows uh, this week in terms of that look this is a very impressive turnaround and I think there's something to a thing that you and I have talked about particularly in the last couple of weeks around culture right mm. and sticking the course and believing and good organizations do that and having a unified voice and all that all that stuff the Celtics did that they were what 11th in the east on January 6th mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they are in the NBA finals mm-hmm. you know how impressed are you with the turnaround and how much credit should we be given 
to first-year head coach Ime Udoka. Uh, I'm thoroughly impressed, and Ime Udoka gets the lion's share of the credit. Of course, the players get credit, too, because they have to buy in. Look, Dexter, this is largely the same team that Brad Stevens had, and I'm not. this isn't about bashing Brad Stevens, the inventor of basketball. But what it is about is the way in which he was able to, he being Udoka, get Tatum and Brown, right? Two, by the way, lottery picks, high lottery picks. I believe they were both number three picks or a three and a four, something like that. To buy into, yeah, I know y'all think y'all these amazing Apex Predator wing ISO scores. Yeah, cool. But we ain't winning nothing unless you two commit on the defensive end of the ball and you work to not just create shots for yourself, but create shots for everybody. And, you know, this is a moment where Kawhi Leonard understood this with Greg Popovich. And he talked about this where he said, when Kawhi finally understood that when we draw a play up, it isn't necessarily to get you the shot. It's to get us the shot, right? Mm-hmm. And this is something that Golden State's offense just creates. Yes, Steph and Clay get all the headlines, but it's not necessarily about them as much as it is. They do whatever is necessary to get the team the best shot. Whatever that is, that's what they're going towards. And Tatum and Brown have been better at that over the course of this year, and they've bought into the defensive end of the floor. They are playing like two-way apex predator wings, and they're going to need every bit of that if they're going to win this series. Yeah, absolutely. It's been really impressive to turn around. I think one of the things that I've been thinking about was the beginning of this season when uh, you know Marcus Smart called out the two stars and the young stars in the team and, and uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and said, look, they're going to have to learn to uh, give up the ball more, share the ball more. And I thought that was so huge in terms of him being an extension uh, a voice of the coach. And that really set the culture there. Yeah, go ahead. No, go yeah, ahead. No, no, there's yeah. something interesting there because I read a, yeah. I read a piece uh, by Jack McMullen this morning. Um, and what ended up happening there was in that moment where Marcus Smart called out Tatum and Brown, Ime Udoka actually called them in and said, okay, you said what you said, and and I, I hear what you're saying, but you're actually wrong. Jason and Jalen passed the ball a ton that game. You missed mm. every shot you took. So you hurt your teammates' feelings, right? Mm. I, get, I get what you're trying to say, and you're right. They do need to be working on getting everybody else shots, but also you need to show up and tell them when you were wrong and also be, be held accountable. And accountability, Dexter, is the big thing Coach Udoka has placed in there. Not just with the two stars, but with everybody on the roster. You know, again, Ime Udoka comes from the Greg Popovich school and the tree of coaching. Pop, the reason why he was so successful is that he can coach Tim Duncan the same way he coached the number 15 guy on the roster. So if the number 15 guy sees Duncan getting mother effed and yelled at by the coach, how's he going to be like, oh, I'm going to do it? <laughs> that's Tim Duncan. He, this is the franchise. If that guy is getting mother effed, well, I'm definitely going to get mother effed, right? Like, so right. you, you and, and there's a way in which once there's that accountability level across all at every tier, that's what matters. And the players talk about that. There's they're like, there's no, st- no tier system here, no stars. Like, yes, we know Tim and Brown are stars, but he may talk to Jason the same way he talks to Marcus, same way he talks to Peyton Pritchard, same way. It don't matter. If you're wrong, you're wrong. Here's why you're wrong. Fix it. And he told Marcus Smart, fix it. You did this. You put it out there in the public. Fix it now. And that's when they had that internal meeting. I remember early on, we were all, and this is how this stuff works, guys, a little behind yep. the curtain for yep. you. When you're on the outside, and we're reporters, but like no, we're not tapped into Boston as much as we are with some other teams. It's when these additional reporting stories come out later, you're like, oh, 
Because on the outside looking in, it looks disastrous, right? You're like, damn, month one, month two in the season, they're having player-only meetings already? What the hell is going on in Boston? It's disastrous. <laughs> and it's like, he may have had a plan. The players, and when you're changing systems and cultures, and it takes, it should don't work overnight. You don't come in on day one and say, okay, fix. Everybody's held accountable now. Now we're all doing, no, I'm changing our system. I'm changing the way we talk to each other. I'm changing all these things. It takes a while to catch on. But Dex, when it caught on, holy hell. I mean, ooh, they, ooh, ooh, ooh. they finished the year, Dex, as the number one team in adjusted net rating. They, they pushed past Phoenix. Like, it, offensively and defensively, they have been incredible uh, since, since, the, since the calendar turned 2022. And, you know, again, I just, they present all the problems that Golden State really struggles with, and it'll be an interesting series, and I know we'll, we'll get into that more. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought up that Jackie McMullen piece um, that I actually now want to read because I think the biggest thing I take out of that is, yeah, it was we all looked at, oh, Marcus Smart's told these guys, and but the fact that Imeo Doka was able to say, no, you're wrong, and telling him to go correct it as a leader. But we also have to give Marcus Smart a lot of credit there, too, on that because he did not have the ego to then do what was best for the team and then actually say as a leader he was wrong, and, and maybe the team, I'm sure that empowered us, look at that and say, hey, man, he he swallowed his pride here, and he did what was best for the team, and he talked to these guys and said he was wrong, and you know, and they, they probably have even more respect for him, and, he, and it really shows that he's about the team. And so when you have that kind of buy-in from your quote-unquote heart and soul of the mm-hmm, team, mm-hmm. that stuff matters too. Um, and so great, great job by Jackie Mullen and getting that. She's as plugged into uh, Boston sports yeah. as anybody. But great job by her getting that and getting that nuance. And Gerard makes another good point, which is, come on. And I heard this from a lot of people around the Celtics last year, people I had talked to. Oh, I don't know if this is going to work. This is before Brad Stevens is gone. Maybe it's time to blow it up. Mm-hmm. I'm always curious in these moments. And I'm not saying killing any of those people. I'm just always curious in these moments when people are so quick to blow things up. When you do have a turnaround like yeah. this and it works, are we really talking about maybe we need to be more patient on these yeah. things overall? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Dexter. It's this warped microwave timeline we live in. Mm-hmm. I keep I keep hearing recently now, it's like, oh, Jason Tatum finally got over the hump and got to the finals. I'm like, y'all talking like you've been in the league 15 years. What you mean finally got over the hump? Like, yeah. How long has Tatum been in the league? Six years? Six. He's 24 years old. I mean, right. what, what are we like? This idea, oh, finally! Like, what you mean, finally? I, I think that I think the thing is, people get caught in the fact that going back to to this year, you now played in four conference finals, and I think that's what it is. This expectation of you have to do these things in a in a certain amount of time. I think you've seen those same things, Gerard. Had Luca not got out the first round this year, mm-hmm. it would have been like, oh man, he's got out of the in his third year or his fourth third year, year. Or whatever. yeah, like, right. And it's been like. It's not that's not really been his fault. If you've probably looked at that, looked at the stuff like the man, look, the numbers show it. The man's performed well in the playoffs. It, what, it year, hasn't what, been what year was it that Michael Jordan won his first championship? What year was he in? 1991. So right. that would have been his seventh year. I mean, this idea that like <laughs> you just come to the league and you just win right away. Listen, man. LeBron and these dudes got y'all all fooled thinking that winning titles is easy and everyone does it. I say it all the time. The vast majority of players will not play in conference finals, much less in NBA finals. The great Chris Paul, Hall of Famer, one of the greatest point guards of all time. Two conference finals in his life. Two. One NBA finals. One NBA finals. Y'all people think this is just like, oh, everybody gets here. No, you don't. It's hard. 
It's hard. And it's hard to win even when you do get there and there's no guarantees you'll be back. Okay, as impressive as, impressed as we are with the Celtics, and I agree, and I think that's great uh, talk on them, I'm also impressed with the Warriors getting back. Now, we touched on some of this last week, and we were sort of waxing poetic about the Warriors before they even got there. We just we said it was inevitable. We knew that it was going to happen, and it did. Um, one of the things that struck me, Gerard, was after they won and they're getting the Western Conference trophy and all that other stuff, um, you got this real sense from the team that they were happy for this, but they're really appreciative of the moment in living in the now and being back there. And I think that's, to me, that's a factor in the series. Um, their appreciation for it. There, there was a sense I got from a guy, especially like Clay Thompson, even Steph Curry and Draymond. Mm-hmm. They understand where they are in their careers. They understand the work that's gone in and the chance they have as a young players developed, mm-hmm. as we talked about last week, to have some continuity with this. Mm-hmm. Um, them being back in the finals, I, I, I don't think this should be uh, understated. I don't think this no. should be undervalued here. You know, I think we look at it, we talked about the dynastic run last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how impressed are you with them and just getting back here? It, it's phenomenal, Dexter. They have been on the top of the mountain and the bottom, right? So their sixth finals appearance in the last eight years, the, la- the first team since the Jordan Bulls to do so. They know what it's like to experience both ends of this, right? When they're on top, five straight finals winning. It seemed like in 2019, when KD tours, um, uh, ruptured his Achilles and Klay Thompson tours ACL, it seemed like the dynasty died that night in Toronto. The next year, we know in the offseason, KD goes to Brooklyn. Klay is not coming back. Steph breaks his hand. We're like, man, this, this might, the Warriors were the worst team in the NBA that season. It, hey, and we, always, we all said, Dynasty's don't last forever. You can't, because it's true, right? Now, as much as Draymond, he, just, he was on a Colin Cowherd podcast on a couple of different things, being like, what made y'all think that if me, Steph, and Clay were healthy again, we wouldn't come back here? I'm sure that Draymond believed that. But if I give him truth serum, all of them, deep down in their heart of hearts, honesty, did you know 100% certainty you'd be back here again? They couldn't say that because you don't know, right? And the fact that they, are here and they did made it now they wanted it bad and they did all the requisite work and everything and it's there but the fact that they are here is to your point dexter about yes they recognize that and they're like oh man this is it, it, not that you, you never take anything for granted but they really don't take it for granted now because yep life is in the nba is short man every team is one twist and ankle one rupture whatever away from well, may not ever happen again so they see it as an opportunity to you know win and once you tasted that that victory you want to do it more and more, right? It's like a drug. They all talk about that. Yeah. And I, I, I think they have a great presence of mind for this moment and this opportunity and trying to bring it, bring it home. Now, we could talk about they were able to close things out. They could have probably closed it out in four. They did not. They were able to close it out in five. That is the Warriors. We talked about the missed opportunity um, for the Celtics not to do this. And you and I talked about this on SNY in the New York Post last weekend uh, about that, the fact that they didn't do that. And I think it matters. This three days we're talking about. You brought that up. Three days. That is huge in terms of this. The thing that I've been thinking about, and it for people who listen to the show, watch the show, even in terms of betting, game ones are always unpredictable. Mm-hmm. And game ones, I think, even more unpredictable when you've got a team that's had a lot of rest and a team mm-hmm. that has not. And that can go either way. The other team could be rusty. The other mm-hmm. team could be exhausted. Who knows? But I think it, game one is one where if you're going to see a blowout in this series, it might be primed for this game. 
Mm-hmm. So how much of a factor do you think rest will be uh, in terms of game one? And what are you looking from from both the Warriors and the Celtics to show you uh, whether there's attrition or too much rest uh, on either side? Yeah, I, I, I think game one is the, is, the, is the key for the Celtics in the sense of how much is that wear and tear that Miami Fears series going to show on them in that particular game, right? Do the Warriors jump out to a, an early lead and it's like the Boston just doesn't have, they're not quite as crisp and fast with their rotations. Now, that could be mostly rest uh, and not having enough rest and being fatigued, but could also be, hey, man, we are not used to seeing this type of off-ball cutting and moving. Miami does some, but not to the extent the Warriors do it, right? And we're just a half-beat slow. So this could be so that feel-out game. Game ones are always feel-out games on both sides, right? What I think for the Celtics, though, is their defense will get better as the series goes on. While the Warriors can make more shots, I don't know if their offense changes so much, right? In that it is what it is, and they do what they do, right? Um, it's more about can the Celtics keep connection to them, right, and and not let things get too far out in front. But I really, I'm looking to see how the Celtics respond to again a three day three day turnaround, right? So you you finish the game Sunday night, you're playing Thursday, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, four, you know, technically four days, but we talked about the fact that you had to fly across country. And, after coming back from Miami, right? It's it's a lot of compressed time. Um, so I'll be watching that in, in this game one, especially to see what the Celtics look like defensively in their rotations. Um, and is it something where it's like, okay, they they know what's happening now. Plus, in this in this series, Dexter, and this is something that should be noted, they're spread out, right? Game one is Thursday, mm-hmm. game two is not till Sunday, right? So it isn't that every other night thing, you're actually getting 48 hours, right? You're getting two days off in between. So you can get a day of recovery on Friday. Saturday, you can go through a walkthrough and be a light practice, nothing crazy. Sunday, you have your shoot around and you play the game, right? So I think those those two days in between would be beneficial for Boston. Yeah, I definitely think so. Now, you brought up the Celtics defense, something that you will be looking at uh, in game one and how they react. Now, I think something you and I would agree upon is that the Celtics defense, as good as it is, as switch everything as it has been, they have not played against an offense with this much constant movement as you see from the Golden State Warriors. And this, to me, right here, the offensive flow of the Golden State Warriors, the dynamicness of it against the Celtics defense, which the switchability of it, is so interesting to me. It's the thing I am most excited for about in this series. So can the C's, do you think their defense can stop the Dubs' offense? Because there's also the counter-argument to make that the Warriors' offense has not seen a defense as good as the Celtics in these playoffs. Correct. The, the team that gave the Warriors the most trouble in this postseason were the Memphis Grizzlies. And that's because of their long uh, athleticism and rim protection, right? And their, and their wing capabilities. Well, Boston's a, be- a much better version of that, right? Now, Robert Williams is not 100% healthy, so he may not be what Jaron Jackson Jr. is, at, as you know, but let me rephrase that. When healthy, Robert Williams III is every bit the shot blocker that Jaron Jackson Jr. is. He just isn't, and so that could be a problem, right? Um, but that ability and that length and athleticism and rim protection have always given the Warriors trouble. And that shuts off a lot of their off-ball movement. Every you know, The smallest guy you have to attack on this team is Marcus Smart. I mean, technically it's Peyton Pritchard, but the Boston does a really good job of, of, of hiding him. And Marcus Smart's defensive player of the year. So, and the Warriors don't do this anyway. They, isolating Marcus Smart is not a recipe for success, and they're not going to do that, right? 
but Marcus and Derek White and Grant Williams and these guys, their ability to sniff out off-ball actions and what to do when guys are cutting off the ball, how to communicate is going to be key. Al Horford, Daniel Tice, Robert Williams protecting the paint. That is also key. You mentioned switchability. The Celtics do switch, but they don't have to switch everything, right? And that's that's the versatility. Yes, yeah, switching is cool, and you can do it. What I like about their defense is, it's like, sure, we can switch if we want to. But if we don't want to, we don't have to switch, right? And Marcus Smart is one of the most adept guards at fighting over the top of the screens. And he's not only good at fighting over the top of the screens, he's also good at, oh, you're not going to let me fight over the top of the screen? I'm going to run right through you, and they're going to call it a moving screen on you because I'm going to fall to the ground, right? Like, And if he gets Draymond or, any, or even Wiggins or any of these guys in the early foul trouble, that could be something to watch in this series, right? You pick up two quick fouls in that first quarter on a moving screen. That takes that takes away right some of your viability now as, as an offense. So this is going to be an interesting chess match here going back and forth. I just love the Celtics defense and versatility and how good they've been all season. I mean, Al Horford, fountain of youth, this guy, man. Was he like 36 years old playing like he's 20-something? Uh, yeah, he got out of OKC and he's like, I'm happy to play again. Let's, <laughs> let, let's go. No, and you brought, you mentioned the – this is the right word here, the versatility – of the Celtics defense. And I think just want to make a note that we saw a lot of that at the end of the Miami series. If you're paying attention, what Gerard just said was happening. You saw a lot of switchability through the first five games from them. But then in game six and seven, there was a lot of fighting over those screens, particularly for Marcus Smart, who was guarding Jimmy Butler sometimes, giving him room. Now, Jimmy was hitting the jumper, but guys were staying home on the other guys and they weren't hitting those shots. So they have the optionality to do that, and I think it's because they have somebody as great as Marcus Smart, as you said, who can fight through those screens, and it sets the tone. You saw the other guys doing it, too. Mm-hmm. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, mm-hmm. they're doing it as well, too. So something to keep an eye on, guys. Now, the other thing that Gerard mentioned there is size, which is something that the Celtics possess here that the Warriors do not have. We know the only, quote-unquote, big that we're going to see from the Warriors and they trust to play in the series is Kevon Looney, who's been fantastic the last two rounds. but. I do wonder how the Celtics are going to play. Are they going to stick with their traditional lineup where you've got Williams at the five, you've got Horford at the four? Does that work when they're playing against the Warriors who can play smaller with a lot of movement? Do you think the Warriors are going to have problems with the size of the Celtics players? You know, I do, Dexter, because here's the thing. When the Warriors go small, the, the advantage for them is they pull your big out into space and your big has to defend in space. We already talked about it. Al Horford... For whatever reason, that dude is defending in space. I'm like, how is he guarding these smaller dudes in space? He He's figured something out, right? Uh, Coach Thorpe talked to me about this. Is like he understands angles and defense. And, a, you know, again, that's just years of repetition. And he has that, that memory bank to go to. So, yeah, he knows in a straight-up foot race, obviously Jordan Poole's going to beat me because he's faster than me. But I know if I cut this angle off, it's going to make it much tougher for him to get to where he wants to go, right? These are the little nuances and subtle things that Al Horford has in his game. And again, if they're getting anything remotely good out of Robert uh, out of Robert Williams, that's a problem. Grant Williams, we haven't even mentioned yet. I mean, he is a younger, better version of PJ Tucker, right? Like he can, and he's probably, I mean, as a better, because not only can he shoot the three better, a little more dynamic off the bounce, can do some more creation stuff inside. Like, and he's every bit the stout defender and can move those feet, right? And he's built the same way, like a fire hydrant. Like it's just, you ain't moving him, right? This is this is a solid dude. And so, and he can he's happy to chase around dudes and do different things like that. So I just think all of those things, again, the versatility and the length. Kevin Durant talked about this after the sweep, the, the Celtics swept um, Brooklyn. The Celtics are the best defense, right? 
I mean, you see it. Like we got Seth and Goron trying their best out there, and they're working. But the Celtics are just—they're just long. They're length, and that's the thing. Like scoring over length is the hardest thing to do in this league. And the Celtics do nothing but throw length at you. Horford, Williams, Tice, Tatum, Brown, Smart. It's just arms and legs everywhere. This is going to be very different than what Golden State faced against Dallas, right? Like, I mean, God bless Luka, but he's no anybody's idea of a defensive stopper, right? Right. And as good as Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock are cool, that ain't the defensive string unit that those guys I mentioned are. You know, Dexter, every starting five member of the Boston Celtics got one vote for the defensive player of the year. That tells me something. <laughs> like, I just, you know. Yeah, no, they're they're great defensively, and that's that's going to be the chess match here between Steve Kerr and Emei Odoka is who can you play on the floor in certain situations? Does does the size matter? Does the speed matter? Um, it's it's very fascinating. This is one of the more fascinating, I think, in a while, like in terms of in terms of tactical uh, play that I think we can see here in NBA Finals that I could think about in a while that I'm very intrigued by. Okay. So you know what the talk is going to be. This is something you might hear on some of these hot take shows. So this is this is like a, a hot take light question. But I don't think it really is. It's more into the deep analysis of it. When it comes to a series, everybody's like, oh, who's the X factor? And I do think the X factors matter a ton here in this series, right? It just depends, I think, on who and what you think those are. So what do you think are the X factors or who are the X factors for each of these teams? Uh, in you know, series. I think there could be a couple X factors on each team, to be honest with you, Dexter. Um, one person I'm watching in particular on the Boston side is Derek White. Um, I know what he does defensively, um, and he's an excellent on-ball defender. Again, another one who fights with the top of screens comes from that San Antonio school, right, where he was schooled in the quote-unquote dark arts of defense, right, by Greg Popovich. Like, he understands the – and that's why Ime Yudoko wanted him here. Um, can he knock down shots? Because he's going to get open looks. Can you convert open looks? That's going to be something I'm watching. Because if he's doing that, you know, again, remember we talked about last series, how the problem for why I picked Boston over Miami was they should have more ways. If they're doing that thing where everybody's a live ball option on Boston, then they can't key in on double team and Tatum and Brown. It's like, all right, he's going to hit these open shots. Grant Williams is another guy. I talked about what he can do, do defensively. We saw what he did in game seven against Milwaukee. I mean, he can shoot that thing. If he's letting it rip and firing threes, watch out for them. So those are the two guys I'm watching for Boston. For Golden State, it's no surprise, Andrew Wiggins. Is he the guy who is going to consistently uh, play top-notch defense? You're not going to stop Tatum and Brown, but make them efficient. And then on offense, is he going to be consistent, knock down his threes? And then Jordan Poole, he's going to be a target of the defense, right, because of what his limitations defensively. Is he going to make them pay offensively by being a 50% three-point shooter, 90-something% from the line, and all that kind of thing, right? Those are the guys that I'm watching because Steph and Clay and Tatum and Brown and Dram, they're going to do – and Al, they're going to do their things, right? Those are the other guys that I'm watching. Which one of your – you know, as Shaq and, and Chuck like say, the others, which one of your others are going to do things? Oh, you're on mute. Sorry, I forgot to unmute myself there. <laughs> For me, Derek White was one of the ones that I thought about really well. And you've seen when he's gotten good shooting, he got he shot the ball well 
for the Celtics in game six, and they mm-hmm. didn't win that one. And it feels like when they get that, those are games you can't waste. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It feels like that one. I think the the other guys, for me, I'll give my X factors real quick. Um, Robert Williams. Now, he has not looked great mm-hmm. at the end of the last series. He really has not at all. But we know the impact, and Gerard talked about this earlier, about what he can do defensively, and he compared him a little bit to Jaron Jackson Jr. I know that's not exactly what you were doing, yeah. but you can yeah. say the impact mm-hmm. with shot blocking, the rebounding, mm-hmm. the actual ability of what Gerard is talking about, making your bigs guard in space, mm-hmm. especially in a team that moves around that does not use a lot of 1-5 or 1-4 pick and roll mm-hmm. in the Warriors there. That's really interesting to me. So I think if he's a menace in that way, causing havoc, even closing out on shooters, something we've seen him do really well. We saw him um, race out from the paint to block a three-point shot. Yes, I mean, we've, we've seen that. And if we see that again, that's a problem. Um, it's, it's a problem particularly against a team like Golden State that looks to for the spacing and to get those kind of shots. So that that's one for me on, on the Boston side. You know, you mentioned Clay Gerard mm-hmm. and I, and in saying that, you know, he's not a guy you worry about um, in terms of that. But You're a little I, worried, and I know why. I know why you're worried for sure. I don't know if I'm worried necessarily as much as I think he's an X factor. I think the consistency level, because what we have seen from him in these playoffs is we've seen these moments of really great highs, like we saw in Game 5 against Dallas. And I don't want to say lows, but sometimes it's just like, eh, average, or he's just not what he used to be at Old Clay. Mm-hmm. I, here's what I think. If he's around, and you tell me what you think to this, if he's a guy who's around consistently through these this final series, around a 20-point-per-game scorer, and I'm seeing it on a consistent level, and maybe we get one or two peaks where he gives you 26, 27, I think that bodes very well for the Warriors. If he's shooting at a, at a great percentage and is giving you about 20 points every night, that's fine. But here's where I think it, it, it joins with something else you mentioned up as an X factor. It joins with Jordan Poole because you're also right. If Jordan Poole is giving you the kind of production where he's putting pressure on the defenses, he's attacking the rim, he's hitting his free throws, like you said, then I think that takes a little bit of the pressure off of Clay to maybe be that uh, X factor there. So what do you think about Clay? being an X-Factor in the series, or are you kind of saying it doesn't really matter as much if you get stuff from Poole? No, 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 no. I, I hear exactly what you're saying. And, you know, Clay, you're right. He He's shown us glimpses, right? We saw Game 6 Clay. We saw a couple of moments where he looked like his old self. But the consistency of him is what makes them so deadly, right? When you're focusing so much on Steph, you have the maybe second-best shooter ever on Clay Thompson killing you with 30-something points. That's the thing. But if he's not doing that, right, or is this team more beatable? And that's the thing. It's ebbing and flowing. It's not that consistent kind of clay, right? Where he's consistently knocking down shots. Yes, he did in the in the closeout game in game five, but in previous games, like he'll give you a three of 18 game or a three of 15 game where the shot's not falling. In those games, if you're the Celtics, you must win those games, right? Yes. Any game where he's not doing that, that's a win for you. You lose those games, you're already behind the eight ball. And it ultimately becomes a math problem for you, right? Game one winner. Okay, now that means the Celtics have to win four of the next six, right, including X amount on the road and go. It's just you it, each, even though it's a series, it's like each game holds such vital importance, right? And for Boston, it's going to be so key that they come out of Golden State, in my opinion, with a 1-1 split. Because mm-hmm. going back to Boston down 0-2, to me, does not bode well for their chances. I, I agree. I definitely agree. So that's something we got to watch for. But I think we all gave really good X factors here. Okay. So we're going to do keys here. Golden State, if you're them, what are the keys to you winning the 2022 NBA Finals? 
getting into as much of your early offense as possible, uh, running after Migs and not allowing the Celtics defense to set up in the half court. Because as beautiful as the Warriors' motion offense is and all their cutting, Celtics are gonna they're gonna find a way to slow that down and stop it. And for as good as it is, our, our boy Murph talked about it. The Warriors don't run this for 48 straight minutes, right? Steph Curry ain't sprinting all 48 minutes of the game. Late in the game, it does get a little more stagnant, okay? And if they're not able to get that stretch out big lead, right, it, it's something to, to watch. So if you're Golden State, you want to get in early in your offense, scoring against a non-settled Celtics defense. Because when that defense is set and anchor in the half court, I don't care what you're running for the most part. They're going to find a way to muck it up and make it really, really difficult on you. Um, so for that's what I'm looking at for Golden State. And two, you know, the offensive boards, that was an area in which they were able to get away with not being big. And they they were able to beat up on Dallas and get second chance opportunities with Kevon Looney. It forced Memphis to play Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson together to negate that difference because they were getting all types of second chance opportunities. The Warriors aren't going to, I don't think, get those second chance opportunities in this series. Boston's going to be able to rebound well and keep them off the glass. Um, So they're going to have to really fight and gang rebound if they want to get second chance possessions because, you know, you give the Warriors extra possessions and it's like, well, (laughs) that's that's food, right? I mean, you're already playing with fire as it is. Now you're giving them three chances at threes. It's like, well. <laughs> could be could be the rough for you. All right, Boston. What are their keys to winning the 2022 NBA Finals? Limiting their turnovers. Uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown continuing to get off the ball early. Again, force the Golden State Warriors defense into unsettled situations. That, that's the name of the game. I said this last night on, on the Seven Footers podcast. Any game that involves possession in a ball where you have to score, like soccer, basketball, um, you know, lacrosse, whatever. Your goal as an offense is to get the defense into an unsettled situation where they are now scrambling to figure out who am I supposed to be guarding? What's going on? If you want to force them into that situation. Same, same idea. Get the, the Golden State defense uh, not settled, right? Get Draymond where he's like, he's running back and it's like guys aren't set. That's big for them. Um, and then on the defensive end, just staying true to their principles, I think, right? Um, locking in, knowing their assignments, and literally for 24 seconds of the shot clock. You must play defense, not 22 and a half, not 23 and three quarters, 24. The possession is not over until you secure the rebound and you're going the other way. This is elementary. Everybody who played basketball, that's what your coach taught you, right? Defense possession is not over until we secure the rebound. And that's what they've got to do. If they do those things, that's where they have an excellent chance of winning. It's going to be interesting. You're right. Uh, as offense, you got to put pressure on the defense. Although sometimes it doesn't work out for you in the ball control sports. We saw that with my Liverpool Reds <laughs> in true. the Champions League <laughs> final. Uh, put a lot of pressure on the defense, but uh, it didn't end up well for us. Oh, the pain. And Gerard here, uh, being the mean guy that he is, was reveling in my misery. Now, to be fair, he didn't rub it in uh, nah, too, too badly. Nah, nah. He did a little. He came and was like, whoa, yo, what's up? <laughs> but he, he, he didn't rub it. But to be fair, to be fair, I also did not run away from it. I didn't run did, away from it, it and not say hide. anything. Unlike hide. some people when their teams lose <laughs> and they're nowhere to be found. I wonder who you're talking about. <laughs> All right, here we go. We are not in the prediction business, but we got to mm. get some predictions here. Mm. How do you see this going? Uh, who wins this series? How many games? So – it's weird, right? The only way I see this working out for the Celtics is if they win in six. I, I, because I don't think they can win a game seven on the road in at Chase. I just, 
that's asking a lot for them to do. Of course, they I know they just won game seven on the road in Miami, and but th- that Miami Heat team is and listen, all the props to them. Jimmy, Spo, um, Bam. All, I mean, talk about a, a gritty team that just does not quit. The Golden State Warriors are that, plus they can also score, right? So a a game seven. Now, to be fair, in 2016, we did see the Cleveland Cavaliers beat the Golden State Warriors in game seven at Oracle, which is a much rowdier arena than the Chase Center. But that was also featuring a prime LeBron James, okay? Ain't no prime LeBron James on this team, okay? As good as Tatum and Brown and these guys are, none of them are that dude. Okay, and Kyrie was electric in that, in that game, right? So, you know, and that's not to say that Tatum and Brown can also be electric. Of course they can, but that's asking a lot uh, for those guys in, in, in that moment. So to me, they have to win this in six. And it's funny, if you look at it, Dexter, the odds in coordinate uh, Ben MGM for both teams to win in six are both plus 400, right? Like, yep. so that, like, it, it, to me, that's the one for, it to, for the Celtics because it goes up to plus 900 for them in seven and i just don't see that happening a lot of people are saying they can see warriors in five maybe if the celtics have a little bit of that we're just happy to be here thing but i don't know man i think they have too much dog in them in the best possible way uh i don't think Ima yuduka will allow them to be like well, we ain't, what are we comfortable for we ain't putting no banners up for winning no eastern conference like we're here to do a job so i think they're gonna fight and they're gonna battle and i'm gonna pick boston in six because that is the only way that i see boston winning this okay boston in six this is going to make Friend of the show, Cord Stanley, very happy. Uh, Boston in six there. I'm going the other way in six. I'm going Warriors in six. Um, I, and, I, you know, somebody on Twitter today told me they could see uh, the Warriors winning us in five. I'm inclined to think like you. Even if it goes, we're on opposite ends here. Even if it goes Warriors in six, I think Boston is, can win two games in the series. I'd be stunned if they don't win two games in the, in the series. I think they're that good. I think they're confident. I think they're not afraid here. Um, I think this is going to be a good series. I'm even inclined to say my gut actually kind of really tells me this might go seven. Um, For sure. And if For it sure. goes seven, I do think it's advantage Warriors, yes. right? Like I kind of am with mm-hmm. you on that. I want to see a good series. I'm inclined to say Warriors in six. I hope I'm wrong and it goes seven. I don't really have a dog in this fight. I don't right. really care right. uh, necessarily. But I do, I do see it. If, if the Celtics win, and I, you know what, we're not going to do that. See, I was about to get to some like hot takeiness. If the Celtics win, what does it mean for them winning their 18th championship? We ain't doing that. Yeah, we're doing that. Yeah, we're yeah. not doing that at all. Well, the, all right, the, so, the only thing it'll do is it'll make Genie Bus and the Lakers organization angry. That's, oh, that's, I'm, <laughs> I'm here. I'm here for that. But is it going to get them to do what they need to do? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> You're right. Like that. That's the thing. So I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm all, I'm all for that. Some people are going to be mad about the Celtics Lakers talking and stuff, but I'm like, that's going to happen. And Anytime those teams play in the finals, it is what it is. Okay, you've got Celtics in six. Mm -hmm. I've got Warriors in six. Somebody's going to be wrong, guys. But I'll tell you what we generally are wrong when it comes to telling y'all how to win some money. That's what we generally are. We we help y'all with something. There's something out there for everybody, and we are willing to help you with that. We're going to talk about the picks for game one that we will have when we come back on NBA Exchange. Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use. 
and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of the NBA Exchange. All you got to do is sign up now and use the promo code NBAEX. Prize picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Yep, that's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So, join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play and download the Prize Picks app today. All right, guys, Prize Picks, definitely check that out. Be sure to do that. But, game one, Thursday night. 9 p.m. Games are going to start. If you're interested in betting the series, that's interesting. There's a lot of value in the Celtics there. They're around plus a two something. I've seen it fluctuate there, so you can get some value. If you think the Celtics are going to win like Gerard does, no matter what the amount of games, you can get some decent value there. The Warriors are the prohibitive favorites here uh, in the series, so not a lot of value for them. They're about minus 155, minus 160 uh, for the series. But game one. Should be interesting. Celtics, if you are a believer and you think they can steal one here on the road, money line plus 136 for you. The Warriors, line for them is the favorites in the spread, minus three and a half. Gerard, what do you think about this stuff? How are you going here? I think this is always a tough game to bet on certain things, mm-hmm, including mm-hmm. the over-under, which is at 212. Uh, how are you betting this game one? Game one is a feel-out game for both sides. I also find it interesting that the spread is only at minus three and a half with mm-hmm. all the rest advantages that the Warriors have. And they are the public team, which should force the line to be even higher because most of the money is coming in on the Golden State Warriors. I'm surprised we're only at three and a half. That's telling me that Vegas is like, look, we think the Celtics are going to keep this close in game one. And I'm inclined to believe it now. I'm not all the way 100 to give you to take the Celtics money line, but I'm going to take the points of the Celtics here. Look. It wouldn't shock me if this is a close game and they only end up losing by one or two or if they outright steal this game one. There may be a way in which they're coming off. You said, you know, we talked about the rest, but maybe their, their adrenaline is still fired up after that game seven win on Sunday. They come in on Thursday night and they just, you know, again, that rust factor with the Warriors. They've been off for seven days, not as crisp, not as sharp, you know, not as locked in the playoff mode as, as the Celtics have been because they just they just wrapped their series. Maybe it plays the other way into an advantage and that's the game they steal. But that line at three and a half, it seems too easy to take the Warriors there. So I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to say I'm going to take the points and take the Celtics in that one. Um, over under, let's stay away for now just because, again, as I mentioned, I want to see what the Celtics are doing defensively. I think they're going to get better. I mean, they're elite. I'm not saying they're bad now. But I think they're going to tweak some things and tighten up some things as the series goes on. And that vice grip will grow. I mean, remember that 2016 series? We saw some 90, some some scores where they didn't reach triple digits, right? And I think that could happen in this series. Uh, but I think in this in this early game i think both teams will likely get over uh 100 points uh look for player props on um draymond green five plus assists uh look for now if you're believing the warriors are going to win anytime steph curry gets four or more threes that's usually a, a good sign uh so look for that if you're looking if you're thinking the warriors win there uh, on the Celtics side tatum and brown 20 plus each always uh is a good bet um look for marcus smart uh, two plus made threes. I mean, if that happens, that's he's gonna get a lot of booze in that arena as well. Because, because you remember that that March Injury. game mm-hmm. where Steph got injured, where Steve Kerr was like, That's a dangerous play. I mean, you know, I, I want to be clear about this. The Celtics aren't gonna fall for any of that code stuff that the, that the Grizzlies did in, in, in their series. Marcus Smart is 
he's a hustle, play hard guy, not a dirty guy. He just grinds and plays hard. And Draymond does the same thing. Sometimes when guys like that dive on the ground, if you're around them, you might get hit and you might get hurt, right? But no one is diving, trying to go out and take guys out. That's just, that's those guys' superpower, right? Like they aren't the most highly skilled, you know, Steph Curry types. So that's how they make their living in the NBA, uh, just as an aside. So you yeah, look look for that on, on, on Smart. And, you know, the other thing I'm watching through in this game, Dexter, is Jalen Brown, you know, is he economical with his dribble and not like being careless? Because that, that handle ain't so tight. And if Gary Payton the second gets into this game somehow, that is that's food. He's gonna take his cookies every time. So well, it's little things I'm watching there. Yeah, I like that. Watch Gary Payton if he gets in on some steals, props there too. That might be something mm-hmm. to keep an eye on. I forgot he's somebody we should probably be talking about in terms mm-hmm. of an X factor in the series that could be even in a limited minutes. Um, I'm with you. These game ones, particularly in the finals, particularly with the rest disparity, I think are absolutely tough in terms of picking. So I don't know. Here's where I'm with Gerard on completely. I absolutely want no parts of the over-under. Can't call it. Don't know how it's going to play. I'd probably be inclined to go over, but I don't know. Now, while I'm probably inclined to think the rest benefits the Warriors Mm -hmm. and they're also going to be pumped because it's their time back in the finals, and I think they'll come out strong and the crowd's going to be pumped there at the Chase Center, and I think that matters for something. I like the Warriors to play well. I like the role players to play well. I also am surprised the line is the spread is that low with minus three and a half. Now, if you're, I just said early in the show, I think this is the kind of game where it's prime for you to possibly see a blowout. So if you do believe in that and you're like, hmm, the line is low, this could get out of hand. It's real easy. I don't want to have to sweat as much down the stretch. It's something I don't have to worry about. Might want to get it now while it's minus three and a half. It wouldn't shock me if this line moved up a point tomorrow. Wouldn't shock me at all whatsoever. But that plus 136, a little bit over even money, is enticing if you think the Celtics are like what Gerard said, in playoff mode. They've been continuously playing. The fatigue hasn't bothered them. It's not that. Betting-wise, I'm going to go with the Warriors here. I think they cover this spread. If it's tight, um, I think it's good. This is kind of in that tight area where it's, you know, usually when it's under three points or three or under, I let's say take the money line here. Mm-hmm. Kind of closer to four, and I do probably expect it to jump. But if you really think this could be a blowout, which I could see this, maybe it's not a blowout, I could see this being a 10 to 12 point victory for the Warriors in game one. They figure things out down the stretch. I say take take this money line here. Uh, it's a pretty safe bet. Now, in terms of props, um, I think something to definitely look at. And one of the props I've been kind of cashing on was Robert Williams over seven and a half rebounds or so. But I'm telling people to stay away from this in this series or at least see how things play out in game one. Because of what Gerard said earlier in the show, if you look at the way that the Warriors play, right, and they do not do a lot of one-four pick and rolls and they make their big the bigs on the opposition come out and guard in space, that's going to limit a lot of the rebounding opportunities for Robert Williams. And you'll probably see it more for somebody like Al Horford. So stay away from that. I say trust it, bet on the Warriors role players here at home. Look at Jordan Poole over two and a half threes here in this game uh, to provide a spark. Uh, look, as I mentioned, Gary Payton with steel. See what you can get for him with that. I love Draymond with the assist here. Five and a half, six and a half assists. I say bang that over. I think you're going to see a lot of facilitating from Draymond, a lot of him looking for his guys, trying to get them ready. Look at that too. And also I say watch out for Clay. Clay's a little rested here. Anything with him over two and a half threes is good. And I'm going to give you guys one more. 
prop that's been paying out pretty well for me throughout these playoffs. Clay Thompson over three and a half assists. Yeah, mm. people do not think about Clay Thompson with the ball in his hand. But if you like this Warriors offense, he's another guy that can get over two and a half. There's sometimes it's been a two and a half assists I've seen. You get the over on that. Clay's getting you four assists a game. He's constantly moving, constantly looking for other guys. Also, don't sleep on Jordan Poole in that. Anything you get with him over two and a half assists, he, some of those guys find assists in their sleep. Mm-hmm. They'll get you a couple, and those are very low variance. You can get those. So look at some of those props. I think that's good. I think it'll be a fantastic game, though. It wouldn't surprise me if the Warriors pulled away late, which is why I like that line. But, yeah, stay away from that over-under. Yeah. Too much unknown. You don't know how the, the, these teams are feeling each other out. You mm-hmm. don't know how that's going to play. But we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll see, and hopefully you win some money. Yeah, it should, it should be a good. It should be a good game. I'm really, again, I'm just excited to see how these teams come out. Like who who punches who in the mouth first? How they respond and all that. Yeah, I think we we will see. But NBA Finals are here. We got through a whole show. We did not give you any hot takes. None of that happened. The only heat we were dealing with is the heat outside yesterday. That's about it. This should be a really exciting series. Uh, at some point next week, Gerard and I will probably be in the middle of this series breaking this down. But we'll be talking to other people around this series uh, involved in covering the teams on both sides in the next week or so. I can't believe it, Gerard. We are at the the end of the NBA season. NBA, oh. it, it's crazy. It's, it's a marathon and a sprint, which we always say. And it's so yep. it's like, man, we actually got here. And this is this is it, right? Like this is the next two weeks of Champions Crown. We'll have the draft, summer league, and then it's giving me, you know, a little little time for R and R before we're back at it in October for for and, and it's a time for training camp, and then back at it when the season starts in October. Unbelievable! Can't believe it at all. It has been out. You know what? You know what else I can't believe that snuck up on me, and it'll be today. We're recording this on June first, but tomorrow, June second, is twenty years since what I consider the best show on television dropped at the wire. Mm. Twenty years makes me feel old. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a whole not, that's like a say, whole nother story. We'll, 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 we'll leave that. <laughs> we'll, leave, we'll, we'll leave that. Let's just say we can't be doing back to backs like we used nah, to. <laughs> can't do it. Can't do we'll it. Just say that. That is Gerard Hector. Please check out his work. Uh, Seven Footage Podcast. Y'all know what that is. Part of the Props Network family as well. Please check that out with our homegirl Jenna Lemoncelli. Also check out Gerard. On True Hoop. Bring it in this Friday, 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. Check it out. Henry Abbott, mm-hmm. Coach Thorpe. Coach Thorpe is going to have a lot of good analysis of good about analysis. game one. I'll probably be doing a video with him after game one. He's going to have a lot of good of those nuances, inside details. And if you know anything, and I'll check, I encourage everybody to go on the True Hoop Twitter handle and check this out. Coach Thorpe recently talked about uh, how the Warriors may have to look at defending Jason Tatum and why Jason Tatum's game has evolved into becoming more of a playmaker. I encourage everybody to check that out because I think that in itself is a very big X factor in the series. So check that out. Gerard is all over that. Uh, we'll be back on Friday with a lot more on the NBA Exchange. Hopefully we'll have a good guest around the Celtics or Warriors side for you there. He's Gerard Hector. I'm Dexter Henry. Until next time, enjoy game one of the NBA Finals. Peace.